hello, and welcome back to Kindled. Today, I have a conversation to bring to you with Brittany McArdle of the Biblical Birth School, all about the idea of pain-free birth. Is this a idea that we as Christian women should be open to? Should we pursue this? Should we desire to have pain-free births? What does the Bible say about birth and what we should expect? How do we have a biblical worldview of birth? Um, obviously, this is a huge conversation. We're not going to be able to get to um, all of the facets and different aspects of this conversation. There's going to be more on this topic. Um, I'm going to be having a couple other birth experts on the show, but we're starting off the topic with Brittany McArdle because she is an accredited childbirth educator and also has a doula certification program for women to learn how to become birth doulas from a biblical worldview. So she's really fighting back against a ton of the very secular and new age ideas that are present in the birth world, which I appreciate so much because I don't think I realized just how prevalent and ubiquitous this had become on social media, even inside of those who claim to be Christians and Christ followers, uh, just did not realize the popularity and um, magnetism, I guess, with which this type of idea is pushed into the conversation and especially on Christian women and um, very much with this idea that there's kind of a prosperity birth gospel that you can have a pain-free birth, that you deserve to have a pain-free birth, um, and that that is just a reasonable thing to pursue. So uh, we're going to talk all about that in this episode. Uh, Everything from Christian programs that promise to teach you how to have a pain-free birth different things like that. It's um, it's a lot more overwhelming than it was, I'll say, the last time I was pregnant five years ago. Um, so I can see how this topic would be very kind of, you know, confusing and even tempting for Christian women to start to look into. And you just have to be so careful about what who you're listening to, what they're promising, what they say is biblical. And Brittany's here to help us kind of unpack all of that. So um, other than that, I want to thank W2 Beef Co. for sponsoring this episode and encourage you to check out their website, w2beefco.com. They still have deposits open if you are interested in signing up to receive um, some portion of a cow later this fall. Their deposits uh, basically just mean that you put a portion of the amount due down right now in order to secure that meat. And then when it is ready to ship to you, you will get an invoice for the remainder. They ship it uh, free shipping to your door on dry ice and your freezer will be stocked. So check them out, w2beefco.com. All right, here is my conversation with Brittany. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Haley, so much. I really am a fan, so I'm super excited to be here. Well, I am a fan of yours also. Um, I'm I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, before we hop in, we have a lot to talk about, but why don't you tell listeners who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. I'm Brittany. I started the Biblical Birth School in late 2021, and I train and educate Uh, women to become childbirth educators and doulas from a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. I also help moms prepare for their own unmedicated births from a biblical worldview. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you get into this? Like, where does your passion come from? What's your story? Yeah. Yeah. So I have six kids, so I always knew I wanted a, a big family. 
And I always knew I wanted to have them naturally. I have, I've had four home births and two hospital births. So I've just always loved birth, uh, loved having babies. I always wanted to do something in, in the birth world. Mm -hmm. um, 2020, I became a childbirth educator and went down the mainstream pathway, which most people do. You, you go to one of these big organizations like Kappa or ICEA. Mm -hmm. or one of those. And so I, I went down the Kappa pathway and was really shocked to find what I found when I went, which was this huge uh, agenda behind the birth content of mm -hmm. this anti-Christian agenda, where you really had to fall in line and conform to their agenda of, um, you know, transgender motherhood, and wow. pro-homosexuality, and you had to be non-biased, you had to be neutral, you couldn't infuse any of your own, you know, thoughts or opinions into your work. Mm -hmm. And I just knew, like, I, I couldn't do that. Not for one day could I pretend that I wasn't a Christian, right. you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and a birth worker. Mm -hmm. So I started looking for other places where I could find other Christian birth workers and train with education that was more faith-based mm -hmm. and I just couldn't find anything. So I started my own uh, course for moms and my own training uh, course because I knew there were other women out there just like me and there are. So, yeah, that's so cool. And so how long have you been doing this? Um, since 2020. Okay. Yeah. And, um, six kids, did, did you, you said two in the hospital were your first mm -hmm. two your hospital births? Actually, no, my first three were at home. Okay. And then the Lord said, I want you to go to hospital for the fourth. So I did, and it was great. And I had the fifth at home and then the sixth in the hospital as well. So, okay. Wow. I, I think it's so interesting how people's kind of journey with this topic can evolve over the years. And I know that mine certainly has, I know a lot of women feel that way, especially kind of coming on the other side of 2020, like so many of us woke up and realized some of the corruption in the, you know, medical industrial complex and big pharma. And we maybe just had never questioned that, you know, that traditional recommendations and that, you know, doctors, knew best on everything and that we, we just never asked questions. We never did any research. At least I didn't. A lot of us were that way. I I was very trusting and I don't not saying that they have ill will, but just that there's a lot of deception. There's a lot of corruption, right? In both of those industries. So yeah. Uh, you know, coming out on the other side of that, having had three kids um prior to actually my last youngest daughter was born in 2019. Uh, November 2019, right before, you know, 2020 and all the craziness happened. Um, and, and yeah, just even what I chose to do with her in terms of vaccinations, you know, like started changing in the year of 2020 and just everything that I had always kind of done, um, just got very called into question. It was like reevaluating all these things as a mom. And, uh, Absolutely. I would imagine it's, that's, that's the same for a lot of women. I don't, do you hear that from your clients? Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of uh, revealed mm -hmm. so much that year of, okay, wait a minute, you know, maybe they don't have my best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. And what are my, what are my options? Like, 
didn't even consider other options, you know, did not realize there was other options um, or it just didn't seem like a, a viable or even a wise option to me. I frankly was someone who probably as recent as three or four yeah, th- maybe three or four years ago would have said, oh my gosh, like home birth is so dangerous. You should not do that. Like that is so unwise. It's not worth the risk. Like I totally would have said that. Um, and it's just a lack of knowledge, I think, and education and awareness of, you know, all of the, I didn't have all the information. So I just, I was, it's like, you're afraid of something yeah. and you don't have information about it. So it's even scarier. Right. Um, you know, it's just the lack of knowledge around some of these topics that I think leaves us feeling um, very unstable and insecure around them. And then just kind of like staying far away because it's too scary, um, at right. least in my in my story. So, you know, getting into we're going to talk about pain free birth, which is interesting because um, as you know, as women who have both had babies, um, I I personally struggle to even comprehend how someone could suggest that birth is not pain-free. So I don't know. Can you help me understand, like, what is the deal with that idea? Where does this come from? Why is that even, like, a sentence coming out of someone's mouth that birth could be or should be pain-free? Right. It's really interesting. I think there's two different avenues. There's the Christian avenue, this idea that God has redeemed us. So we have this like birthright to live, having a pain-free birth. And then I I think the other side of it, maybe more secular comes out of the, the orgasmic birth movement mm-hmm. where this idea that it can be pleasurable and pain-free mm-hmm. um, that there was a book written about that. There was a documentary about that. That was more on the secular side. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, yeah, yeah. I think it eases there. There is something really uh, deep that it touches because women are afraid. And so they, they latch on to, to that mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. So is that idea biblical? Why or why not? No, I would say it's not biblical at all okay. because, um, I found, I mean, just not even looking very hard. I have three verses right here that from the New Testament about how we were guaranteed, like we're going to suffer in this life. We're going to have trouble. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, John 16, 21 says that a woman has sorrow because her hour has come. Mm -hmm. Um, There is this element of birth being hard work. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely don't have any biblical promises that we can have a pain-free birth. Right. Yeah. So where do we get the idea um, elsewhere in scripture? So you mentioned the John 16, 21. What are the other scriptures you have? And and let's talk about what birth does look like from a biblical worldview. Yeah. So the main verse um, that I always start with is Genesis 3, 16. That's, that's the foundation. Right. That's the you know, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in sorrow. You will bring forth children. That's the mm-hmm. first part of that verse. And so it it really starts there. Obviously, because of that verse, most women believe that we are cursed forever and destined to have really painful births or that we're supposed to suffer. I believe that pain-free birth can happen. I mean, women have had a pain-free birth. 
but it's not because they had more faith than somebody else or mm -hmm. because God loved them more than somebody else, you know? Right. Um, or because it, they believed hard enough yeah, or no, manifested yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, but no, it's not a promise and it's not something that we should look to as mm -hmm. like, this is how I walk out my Christian faith. Right. Right. I think that's, that's the thing that I've seen um, as I've started to kind of be aware of this topic more was, yeah, just people saying like, um, well, you know, my sister had a pain-free birth, so why would you question that this can happen for people? And it's like, I'm not questioning that it can happen. I'm questioning that anyone should pursue it. Yeah. Like, because then you're pursuing the end um, and it's not an end that's guaranteed. Just like if you were to say, you know, I'm going to pursue to live to be, I don't know, like 90 years old. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to live my life in such a way that's healthy. I'm going to do my best. But if I start saying like, well, you can live to be 90. How dare you? You know, my my sister lived to be 90. So how come you're saying you shouldn't live to be 90? Well, it's not a guarantee. Like I can live in such a way, right, that would do my best for my health and my longevity, but I'm not sovereign and I'm not in control of the number of days of my life. That's up to God. And so- Right. That's kind of the same, I, I I don't know, the same idea there um, as with people who kind of, it seems like idolize this idea of pain-free yes. birth or like set it up as something that women should aspire to and then seek to have. Right. Absolutely. I, I agree with that for sure. And there's this, it's, it's so, it's such a tricky, it's like a slippery slope. Like there's so many nuances to this subject because, um, you, I mean, you could just have a, a manageable birth and I've had very manageable births. They weren't pain-free, but I could just say that it was pain-free and say, oh, it was manageable. Therefore it was pain-free. Like right. the, the idea of pain is so subjective. Mm. You could say, well, it was intense, but it wasn't painful or mm -hmm. wow, there's a lot of pressure, but it wasn't painful when really it just, it just maybe was painful, mm -hmm. but we describe it differently. So it's like you can't even even nail it down, really. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Subjective verse, yeah, versions of of what pain is. Yeah. Um, and so with the pain free movement, so you, you mentioned that orgasmic birth. I mean, I don't even know if I want to go into that. It sounds so ridiculous, but this, since you mentioned it on the secular side of this movement, um, let's start there, and then we'll move into kind of how that has influenced the Christian, um the Christian world of birth workers and course makers and all of that. Right. Right. So the book orgasmic birth, it, it really started out as a woman wanting to write down that, you know, this experience does happen to some women that sort of like validation of like, Hey, if you, if this happened to you and you've never been able to talk about it before, mm -hmm. like, just know it happens sometimes, you know, yeah. it's not common. Uh, but it, yeah, it sort of morphed into how can I achieve that? I, I want that or people telling other people you can have that. Um, when really, I think it was more of just, let's just tell the world about it, that it does happen. Mm. And then it, maybe it came, it like became a formula of some kind, like, I'm just going to mm. follow this formula, you know? Yeah. So obviously I haven't read the the book, but does she present something of a formula in that book for how to achieve that yourself? Um, not really. No, okay. not, not definitely. It's more like stories and validation and that it's possible. Yeah. That it, that it happens. Yeah. Okay. okay. 
And that like, there's nothing wrong with you if it does happen. Cause hmm. I've heard that from some women, like they thought, well, what's wrong with me? I'm, and they like never told a living soul about it because they mm-hmm. were embarrassed by it or something like that. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, what's your take on that? All of that. Um, I I think possibly a birth could be pleasurable. I mean, I I'm not going to say those women are lying. Like that mm-hmm. didn't happen, but that has never happened to me, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say they're lying either, but there's something odd. And um, given that we know it's from a, you know, it's from someone who's not in a biblical worldview, not a Christian, yeah. I guess my concern would be like, are we looking for something that we shouldn't be looking for it somewhere that it's not meant to be found? You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, like pleasure in sex is, intended for a married couple right to signify and to seal kind of that union that represents our union with christ ultimately points to the bride of christ being one with him and so the idea that you take pleasure sexual pleasure outside of that and you have it somewhere else is problematic in the christian worldview Mm -hmm. right at the very least and so i guess my question yeah it's like accidentally maybe i don't but then to start to like glorify that story is very um i've got a lot of concerns about that you know what i mean like yeah where where is this coming from and yeah almost like the like the um the progressive urge to kind of uh make everything okay right to make yes. at any sort of orientation or any anything like that to kind of like normalize it when it's like I don't know that that's what we should be doing with with yeah. something like that. Like that's starts to get very weird, you know, because mm-hmm. now what are are you saying people should desire to do that and people should search or seek after it, you know, that again gets us into some pretty murky water. Pretty right. fast. Especially, yeah, especially when you're talking about sexuality of any kind. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your baby and your birth. Like right. it's just it's like this totally the wrong categories here. Um so Okay, so from that world, how do we see that conversation? Where does pain-free birth meet the Christian world? Because what I've seen is not secular. I mean, I know it exists. I know that, you know, secular um, birth workers would would probably talk about all of that, everything under the sun, right? But I probably wouldn't be so surprised by that. What I am surprised by is when I see, like, Christian people who are professing to be Christians, um, mm-hmm selling courses, selling this idea, kind of this aspirational experience for your birth, saying like you can have a pain-free birth and then tying that in with scripture, you know, and using the Bible, especially to sell that concept. That's where I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) like what's happening here? So talk to us about that. Absolutely. And it's really not new. Um, I know the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, right? But yeah. I first heard about it um, from the book Supernatural Childbirth by Jackie Mize. Uh-huh. That's a really popular one even still. Um, and that's basically what she teaches. And, mm. and she does kind of teach a formula in a way of, yes, you can have this too. This is what we like. We earned this somehow by faith or you know, through Jesus. Um, Mm. the book has many theological problems. I did a post on it and I like went through the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's not something I recommend, but I see that 
people taking that idea for sure and mm -hmm. making courses and continuing to sell that idea. Yeah. The idea that we can have a, a pain-free birth. That's what you're talking yes, about. Yes. A, a pain-free pain -free birth by faith. Okay. By faith. Because Jesus has reversed the curse mm -hmm. on women. So you have to start out with the idea that women are eternally cursed with painful childbirth, which I don't believe that mm -hmm. uh, we are cursed. That doesn't say that Eve was cursed. Mm -hmm. Right. Now she has this consequence or discipline, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't believe there wasn't an actual curse in Genesis 3.16. But on women. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so people are clear. Um, because that is that is a big point of confusion. So let me pull it up here and we can look at yeah. that. Um the two the two curses there mm -hmm. in that Genesis 3 passage were on the serpent and the ground, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So God did curse the serpent um in uh verse 14 the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field and on your belly, you shall go and dust. You shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then verse 16, I will surely up oh, to the woman. He said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing in pain. You should bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So in that passage, we obviously do see God cursing both the serpent and the ground. Yes. Um, but as you mentioned, he does not curse Adam and Adam or Eve, and he mm -hmm. does not curse childbirth or children or, you know, and obviously yeah. if we look at scripture as a whole, we see that God says children are a blessing, right? And right. fruit of the womb is a blessing and a heritage and like rich is he who, you know, has this like full quiver of children. So it's not that children themselves or even birth is cursed but there is a consequence to sin and that is that women will have pain in childbirth and that working the ground will be hard for men so there's the curse has realities for all of us and yes um but i think that's an important distinction to make because i think some of the pushback you see against this birth isn't cursed you're not cursed it starts with that false assumption right that women are cursed and that birth is cursed and then it reacts against that right exactly exactly it's like we have to find a way around this curse we have to yeah we have to make it better but really it's really not you got to start with the right foundation right right and then if you if they're saying jesus reversed the curse mm -hmm. well he didn't reverse the curse on women because there wasn't a curse on women right and so and just like we know that you said the Bible promises we will have suffering in this life. When we follow Christ, the believer is not promised us a pain-free life or a suffering-free life in any way. Um, exactly. And so, although, yes, Jesus reverses the curse of death, mm -hmm. there's still consequences for us in that already but not yet state that we all live in, in this sinful world before, you know, Christ returns or 
calls us home. And so it it feels like there's a lot of theological underpinnings that are kind of missing there in that yes. movement mm-hmm. it, within Christianity, um, because I will see, you know, I don't even know any of the names, but I will see like um, accounts really start to even dig into um, they profess to know, you know, the Greek or the Hebrew and to dig into the language and to say, look, this word is there and it means this and it doesn't mean that. And first of all, I just hope you're not getting your interpretive, you know, <laughs> information or exposition and exegesis from TikTok theologians or yeah, Instagram yeah. theologians. But exactly. um, that's concerning there that, you know, they're they're really trying to use scripture to make that argument, which I think obviously would validate their argument more than just if it's some random girl saying like, you can have a pain-free birth. It's like, no, God said you can. And here's why in the Bible. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's very deceiving. And I think the problem is that we really, we don't have biblical literacy like we should for Christians because churches aren't doing that. I know you talk about that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a whole subject. Um, the truth is, you know, we, we have this general idea of a curse, but, and there is one in the Bible, but it's not in Genesis three for people, for his, for his people. Um, you know, it's referenced in Galatians three thirteen, where it says, you know, he, he redeemed us from the curse of the law by taking our place. He mm-hmm. didn't actually, it's not like he undid anything. He took our place, but that curse they're talking about in Galatians is from Deuteronomy. Mm. It's the curse of the law. So so we have two different curses going on, the curse of the law and the curse in the garden. And I've always said, like, we don't we don't actually want Jesus to reverse the curse on Satan. Exactly. Uh Because we he needs to be condemned, obviously. Yeah can do that so we have to be literate we have to be specific and understand what we're talking about you know yeah that's a great point we don't want him to undo the curse of the law because that's what condemns the devil right for disobeying god's law but we need someone to take our place and that's what christ did um, was removing the curse or even the bible says became a curse for us right there's a huge difference yeah between i'm gonna undo this and i'm just gonna become it i mean there was so much more yeah jesus did right and that's so important to catch but um especially when you're talking to moms who you know um whether you're a first time mom or not like when you're pregnant and you know you're going to have to get that baby out there is some trepidation and there is some fear and some uncertainty of how that's going to happen what it will be like, how difficult it will be. You know, every birth is different, even for the same woman, each birth is different and unique. And so um, I think that you're in a really vulnerable spot to be, you know, kind of susceptible to these these deceptions that sound good and are even twisted with these scriptures to sound like they're maybe even biblical. And there's a biblical basis for this kind of hope. But really, I think what you see is this, this is like a birth prosperity gospel. Yes. Like exactly. you said, it's based on because they're they often are saying, like, you just need to lean into this, you need to believe this, you need to desire it, you need to proclaim it, you need to like lay hold of it for yourself as though like you have the power to make that happen. Right. Right. What other language do you see them talking about in in that regard? Right. Yeah. If you just have enough faith, you just believe, and then 
you know, if, if it doesn't happen, well, you didn't, you let the fears creep in, you gave the, the fears a foothold, you know, right. don't let Satan, you know, get a foothold. Right. Yeah. And then it's your fault. And if it's you your didn't. fault. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is just yeah. like with prosperity gospel, you know, if right. you, if you have enough faith, God will heal your father with cancer. But if yeah. you don't, you know, then you just didn't have enough faith or you didn't sow a big enough seed or whatever. Um, and I've heard, I've actually like, when I brought this topic up on, on Instagram, as a lot of topics I bring up, I didn't realize it was so big until I started mm -hmm. talking about it. And people were sending me even more stuff that was out there that I just had never come across. And I got a lot of messages from women who said they had either taken a course like that. And, um, you know, cause it's a big deal now. I mean, for anyone who's listening, who's not sure what I mean when I say course, like you can get birth education courses now online, you know, everything's online. Yeah. Um, I didn't take those with my other three girls, um, because I just didn't, um, hold on, let me rephrase. Did I tell you I'm pregnant? <laughs> You are? I am pregnant. So I have oh to my goodness. that. <laughs> Wait, um, that's so exciting. Yeah, oh my gosh. That's thanks. a surprise. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Sorry. I was, I meant to tell know. you at the beginning. Um, no, it's fine. But I said other three, so I need to rephrase. Oh my <laughs> um, goodness. Yeah. You got yeah. me on the spot. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm like seven weeks, so uh, oh not sharing that publicly yet, but yeah. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Okay. So I didn't take a birth course like with my kids, but I think that those have become so prolific now online that, yeah. you know, you can really find anything you could want. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what we're seeing is just so much of that, the the pain-free idea seeping into the Christian world. And it's kind of, it's kind of in disguise because there's a lot of scripture and there's a lot of like Christianese and lingo being used that makes you intrigued. And if you're one of those moms who's like, well, I'm kind of scared of birth and you're telling me that maybe the Bible actually promises me and there's some hope that I could cling to that maybe I could have a pain-free birth. Like who wouldn't be in for that? You know, exactly. Yep. I mean, of course, like who would not want that? So, um, so how do you see that deceiving women? Cause I'm sure you hear from people all the time, way more than I do, but how have you seen this, this idea to see women? Yeah, it, it can be really devastating. Honestly, I have talked to women who believed in the pain-free birth thing and then did not have a pain-free birth, mm -hmm. um, which is fine, but they weren't prepared. They right. thought they did something wrong and they're literally, their faith is shattered. Like they mm. don't even know if God loves them or if they even had faith to begin with. Wow. It's, it's really scary and, and dangerous how much it could potentially, you know, shake your faith if it doesn't yeah. happen to you. And then I see also some women who feel ashamed um, that they had a painful birth, like they can't even talk about it, or maybe they feel like they can't share their birth story. Because if I say that it was painful, then I'm not a good Christian, or maybe I'm going to, um, you know, scare other women or something. They don't even want to talk about it. So it's really devastating. Yeah, man. That's so sad because there's obviously no morality attached to whether your birth is painful or not, right? Or how exactly. painful it is. Like it's not a I, I remember being like a first-time mom and my desire was to go as long as I could. It was a hospital birth and an induction and I was like, you know, I want to go as long as I can without an epidural because I want to experience it. And then people would tell me, 
well, you know, there's no prizes or there's no gold ribbons for moms who do it without an epidural. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just don't want to experience it. Um, and you know, I've always remembered that. I know that's a, the, a cliche saying that people say there are no prizes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think when you, yeah, when you have that in mind that it could be pain-free, like that becomes the prize, you know, some, for some people it's going natural for some, it's like not having pain with your epidural and just going as fast as you can to like walking in backwards, put that needle in me. I don't want to feel a thing. You know, right. everyone has their aspirations, right. For what their ideal birth plan would look like. I think it's very easy to set those up as little, you know, little idols. <laughs> Maybe yes. we don't bow down yeah. and worship them, but they do take a place in our heart. Yeah. Um, so what do you feel and what, what have you seen women kind of risk in their mindset, hope, or contentment with some of these deceptions and these different philosophies? Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there when you said there's no morality in what you feel during birth. And, and that's the bullseye right there. There's so many women struggle with accepting their current birth plan. Maybe their birth plan changes or um, accepting the fact that they're even going to give birth at all because they have so much morality tied up in the decisions around birth. They think maybe interventions are immoral and God doesn't want me to do them. And I tell them that's not true, you know, um, besides interventions that would kill the fetus, so the baby, obviously yeah. that aside, they're, they're not, um, moral or immoral. Um, yeah, there's there's just a lot tied up in that for them that mm -hmm. I try to educate and and help them. Yeah, see that it's okay. <laughs> so, do you believe that there this is like a profit driven incentive for people teaching this, or do you think they really believe in it? Um, or maybe themselves just had a pain, a, a less painful birth, and are trying to promise that to others? Or you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good question. You mean with the pain-free birth courses and mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. Um, it's probably both. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a really good question. I think some people do have amazing experiences and they're like, I know I could help women have these experiences also. Mm -hmm. And and I think maybe some women have good intentions because there is so much birth trauma. There is mm -hmm. so much unnecessary interventions. Women should not be... Um, you know, getting hurt in birth emotionally and physically as much as they do. So I think there may be some good intentions behind that, but mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't think it's as honest as it could be because um, mm -hmm. the birth, birth hurts sometimes, <laughs> most mm -hmm. of the time Yeah, it has with me and there's nothing shameful about it. I'm not ashamed to say that my births were painful. Right. I think that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So how do you talk to your clients about it? And you also work with, um, you know, birth, the term is birth workers, right? right. You educate yeah. both moms and birth workers on um, really a biblical view of birth. But like, what are some of the important pieces that you, you need to make sure people grasp in order to have a biblical view of birth, right? Because we talked about it's not cursed, right. but then where do we go from there? Right, exactly. I start all my courses in Genesis 3 that woman was not actually cursed by God. Um, and then from there, you know, we unravel fears and beliefs about birth. What do you actually believe and line it up, you know, with scripture, with truth, 
with education so you can see like is what i'm believing is it actually true um taking your fears to the lord praying through those fears i have a little workbook that i give women on birth trauma if they've experienced that like you know can you forgive yourself is there somebody else you need to forgive how can we mm-hmm. heal those past you know difficult birth situations in order to move on because you really have to look at the past sometimes to be able to embrace your current pregnancy and birth mm-hmm. to really like just be in tune with the lord about it you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um give me like a definition of what physiological birth is because frankly i had never even heard that term until pretty recently and just never crossed my path and now i feel like uh and a newborn baby when it comes to understanding birth, even though I've had three kids. So what is physiological birth? Yeah. So the language is always changing, which I think is okay. It's, it's trying to be more specific than it was. Like people would say, I had a natural birth. Mm-hmm. Well, no, nobody knows what that means anymore. Right. Cause we use the word natural to mean so many things. Mm-hmm. So physiological birth means It is birth the way, I would say, the way God designed it to be without any man-made interventions or, you know, anything added to it. It's just the natural process of how God created a baby to come out of a woman, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like the phrase unmedicated birth to describe Mm -hmm. a natural birth because it's very specific. It just means... A birth with no medication and and people get what that means you know when you say it mm-hmm. okay um and so when you walk people through what that looks like um and and just the process of like how birth works how it happens i mean we obviously don't have time to probably go through all of that today but like high level what would you say are things that people are surprised by or maybe didn't know or misconceptions about how birth works in that kind of God-designed way? Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of those. I think one of the main ones is that your water breaking is not labor. That is Mm -hmm. not the definition Mm -hmm. of labor. Um, Your water can break before labor, during Mm -hmm. labor, maybe never. It doesn't have to break for you to go into labor. It has really not a whole lot of bearing on whether you're in labor or not. It can speed things up sometimes, but um, people are surprised by that for sure. Okay. Um, they think, oh, my water breaks, I'm in labor. No, nope, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't mean that. Labor right. is regular, consistent contractions that open the cervix. If you're having mm-hmm. contractions that don't open the cervix, that's not true labor either. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be like a Braxton Hicks contraction. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Um, what kind of false teachings do people come to you with? I mean, probably the pain-free birth idea, any other mm-hmm. misconceptions or kind of um, what other ways have people kind of been deceived around birth? Mm, that's a really good question. <laughs> I talk about that a lot. Um, conscious conception is a big one. It's a big one. Um What's that? It's like this preconception philosophy and practice of calling in your child to your womb. Some people believe this is like on a spectrum. Like I think some people 
maybe don't actually believe their child is a spirit that they're calling Mm -hmm. into their body before they conceive them. And some people do absolutely believe that their baby before conception is a spirit somewhere else and that they can connect with that spirit baby and call that baby into their womb. And Mm -hmm. then the hope is that they will get pregnant and when they do, they'll know it was that spirit Mm -hmm. baby that they connected with. Um, wow. that's a big one. Yeah. I hear is that. that tied? Is that a religious belief? Is that tied to a particular religion or is it just its own thing? That's like floating out there. I think it's both. It definitely just floats out there for mm-hmm. people who are religious or non-religious. Um, but it is a belief in the LDS church as well. I've seen that. Okay. So I had, I have heard of spirit children, like LDS believes that they are bringing, they're giving mortal life to like a spirit child that is a child of Elohim, right? That's like up in heaven with God right now. Um, But did they, I didn't realize they, they believed in the calling. They actually, they do that. Probably some do and probably some don't. Okay. Um, But there's a, there's a big teaching around um, pre-mortal existence in the LDS church, this Mm -hmm. idea, um, that they these spirits they have a pre a whole existence pre-mortally before they're in the womb before they're mm-hmm. born and i've read stories about oh i i saw this spirit this and it, it was my child and they see them different points in their pre-mortal existence and there's all kinds of stories around those pre-mortal existence lives so it's wow. very interesting yeah okay so conscious conception, what what other um, deceptions do you do you see in birth, or are there any others? Yeah, yeah, I would say another big one that does get very confusing for women is the mother blessing ceremony mm-hmm. that they do, like in the third trimester. A lot of confusion around that. Okay. Uh, it, originally, from what I understand, it's like this Navajo ceremony um, called a blessing way. Um, I, some people call it a mother blessing, but it's not Christian. And a lot of Christians are doing this and it incorporates a lot of new age and maybe even occult practices that Christians shouldn't be doing. So what occurs in that? Cause I think I've seen a couple like Instagram influencers in Hawaii doing that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They're supposed to be this, these beautiful ceremonies, you know, but there's often like there's usually some sort of circle involved where everybody's sitting around a circle or a mandala or some kind of Mm. altar in the middle crystals, maybe sage burning, Mm. um, red, you know, tying something, maybe a red cord or a ribbon, everybody ties something around their wrist and then they can't take it off until the woman goes into labor. There's different things like that. Uh, birth Mm. altars sometimes, um, people will have those set up in their home with uh, little statues or Mm. figurines, maybe goddess figurines, sometimes not. And it's like, it's an altar. I mean, it's, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. So how would that function? Like the way, you know, like a, a Buddhist might, you know, pray at the altar or light candles or whatever. And they would do that like before the baby's born. Or yeah. After. Okay. Yeah. Like before, maybe to <clears throat> to have like, you know, prayer. Maybe people might say prayer, or I 
I'm thinking about, I'm connecting with my baby before they're born, or I'm mm -hmm. praying for good things to happen during the birth. You know, I, I want a good outcome or something mm -hmm. like that. Wow. Any others or have we scratched the well, bottom of the bucket? Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> scratching the surface. There's all kinds of new age things mm -hmm. that get, that people get caught up in um, because it is very deceiving even for Christian women, but those are some of the main ones. Mm -hmm. So I got to ask, what are your thoughts on the Ina May's guide to childbirth? Yeah. Okay. So I read that years ago. I read, you know, tons of birth books and mm -hmm. I've always recommended that book because it was so helpful mm -hmm. for me, but I got pregnant for the first time in 2010 and yeah, you know, we mature through our walks mm -hmm. with Christ and I, I have even recently, I've still recommended it to mm -hmm. people, but I, I'm definitely looking at it through a different lens mm -hmm. and wondering if I should still be recommending it because yeah. it's, it's not Christian. I mean, it is secular and there's right. maybe some new age influences in there as well. Right. Just read with a discerning eye. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, as we're, you know, kind of wrapping up when it comes to pain-free birth, you know, what are your, what would be your encouragement to someone listening who, maybe has either gotten swept up in that and um, has believed some of those lies or um, someone who's skeptical right now and is like, I don't know, what if, what if everything you're saying is wrong and I should try for this? Like, what would your encouragement to them be as a Christian birth worker and someone who is in this world? Like, what would you want to say to them? Yeah, I think, I think it's better to prepare for feeling pain in, in birth or pressure or intensity, if you're mm -hmm. expecting to feel nothing, then you're, you're going to be very surprised and probably disappointed. And it's right. in that moment when you're already in labor, it's going to be hard to like course correct, you know? Yeah. And be like, okay, wait, what do I do now that I'm feeling this? Um, it's better just to start off preparing to deal with some of those sensations. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, my last birth, I gave birth to my biggest baby I've ever had. And it was really manageable, you know, up until transition, you know, when you're pushing that baby out, it was intense and it was painful, but it was completely manageable. It doesn't just because there was a lot of pressure or pain, whatever you mm -hmm. felt or whatever you're afraid of feeling, just because it's there doesn't mean that you can't handle it. So yeah, just kind of embrace that. So how big was that baby? I got to know. Oh yeah. She was nine pounds and five ounces and you can wow. see I'm not a very big person. No. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, she's huge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when you say, so I've never had like an unmedic unmedicated birth. I'm sure a lot okay. of women listening have some haven't, um, the, like, like I said, if you would have asked me three to five years ago, you know, what pain-free birth is, I would have said that's an, that's when you have an epidural. <laughs> like yeah. that's what a pain-free birth is. It's yeah. like, um, use the medicine available to us. But, right. but now, you know, being in a little bit of a different spot, I, um, I think there's a lot of value in, you know, what you do and teach and just teaching women, you know, whether they want to get the epidural or not, again, is not a moral thing. Right. Um, it's a personal thing, I think. Um, I'm assuming you'd agree with that. I don't know. Yes. I don't I mean, have anything 
against epidurals. I've it, it's kind of like, which one do you want to deal with? Like I never yeah. ever wanted to like have a needle. I like, I yeah. don't want needles. I don't like that. So I'd like, I'd rather yeah. just deal with the labor, but some people don't and that's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, now that said, like, I know people listening are screaming going, but there's so many risks for interventions, you know? And <laughs> yeah. like, yes, that's a whole nother podcast episode. I know. Right. Um, but in and of themselves, they're not more, it's not a moral decision. Like you're not sinning if you get an epidural, exactly. um, yeah. You can sin doing anything. Like if you're doing it in the wrong heart, right? right. You can sin making your husband dinner. It's not sinful, but <laughs> right. Like right. we can sin doing even good things. Um, and yet anyway, I think it's, it's great. I feel like there's a lot of education being done now that was not, I just was not aware of it, you know, 10 years ago when I was preparing to have my first daughter or, um, you know, two years later with my second and three years later with the third, I just wasn't aware of it. Um, have you seen that in the times that, I mean, you had your first, you said in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel there's been like an increase in the amount of information? Is just the internet proliferating it? Or uh, is that my perception that's just totally off? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be the internet. Uh, you know, the natural birth movement really took off in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So it's been around a while. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, the internet for sure helps. I mean, we see, we can see stuff everywhere now, but sometimes you're just kind of in your own world and maybe just don't mm -hmm. see it, but yeah. Yeah. You can watch a woman, you know, do a free birth in a stream if you would yeah. like. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. In the I've ocean. Seen, I've seen that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, I don't know, sharing your birth in a public way, or now we've got Instagram influencers, you know, doing live births. Like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like there's no holds barred anymore and it's like literally anything goes and everything is this public forum now. So I'm just curious your thoughts if you have any on, on that. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of conflicted about that. I think it can be a really good thing because women get to see birth in mm -hmm. action and it's really beautiful and it can help dispel a lot of fears and help prepare women for what to expect. Right. Um, but you're right. It's like, is nothing sacred anymore? Is there yeah. no boundaries? Um, I personally would not ever do that. I mean, my kids don't even go to my births. I, I want it to yeah. be very private. You know, yeah. I have a few pictures of my birth on Instagram, but yeah, nothing major. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting that people want to do that. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I certainly am not a candidate for that, but, um, but I think, yeah, there it's, it's like you said, I think there's some, some positives, but also probably some negatives. Um, and we just become such a, you know, a culture that's so neutralized and normalized to like watching every aspect of someone's life or yes. day or, you know, and I just wonder like, we're humans meant to be able to see all that we see and hold all that we hold. Um, the okay. answer is probably no, but you know, um, you're not going to stop people from doing what they're going to do. But yeah, I think, and, and the other risk of that too, is like when you do see, let's say you watch that influencer's live birth and it's very peaceful and calm and she handles it well and she's not screaming and it's just, you know, she catches the baby, brings it onto her chest and it just looks so idyllic. And then you're like, I can have that too. Mm -hmm. And God's sovereign plan is for you not to have that birth or maybe to have, you know, end up in a transfer to the hospital for a C-section. Right. And then, you know, I just feel like it gets a lot harder to be 
content with what God's will is in our lives or how things do end up playing out when we've kind of gotten such a, I don't know, a front row seat to everything that we're like, now this feels like it happened to me. <laughs> you know, I feel yeah. like that could be my story in some ways. Um, at least that's that's just how I am. So maybe other people aren't that way, but that would be hard for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely takes like a maturity, like to t- try to take in all this stuff. Yeah. And not hold it very closely or very tightly. Right. And yeah, it's difficult to do for sure. And have a good theology of it. Right. Of birth and, and what we can expect and how our hearts should be, you know, I guess that's a good spot to end. Like what, what, as a mom of six, like where do you go in that, those times where you have had fear or anxiety or stress around birth? I mean, assuming that you've walked through some of that, um, you know, what's your encouragement to women um, on that, on that topic? Yeah, definitely. I, I have walked that many times. I've had difficult pregnancies. They were never easy. Mm-hmm. Um, that had severe morning sickness for, um, pretty much all of them and yeah, unmedicated births. Those aren't easy either, but, uh, when it comes down to it, you know, go back to the verse, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness and you're mm-hmm. going to be weak as a mother. You're going to feel at some mm-hmm. point in your motherhood, maybe it's not at birth, some point as a mother, you're going to feel like. I literally have nothing left. I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. Right. Um, that's a normal, common feeling to feel in childbirth as well. That's normal. And that's okay. Like just to embrace that, hey, it's okay if I feel that way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. It is an overwhelming feeling. We don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Like God's going to hold you right there. He's not going to leave you. That's his promise. Yeah. And no matter, you know, if you're in Christ, if you live or if you die, I'm not saying you're going to die in childbirth, but the every day you kind of have to wake up and say, well, whatever happens today is going to be okay mm-hmm. because I'm in Christ. That's, right. that's what matters. Right. Philippians 121, whether I live or die, wait, no, I said it. I had it in my mind and then it left me. <laughs> um, oh, for to live is Christ to die is yeah. gain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it's good advice. not for the faint of heart, but it's it's okay. It's gonna all gonna be okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like God just graciously, He provides us like an on ramp to the difficulty. So often in life, you know, um, He doesn't just drop us into the deep end. Like birth is hard, but motherhood is is way harder, like yeah. way harder, you know. And um, and and having a newborn is hard, but I hear having a teenager is harder. And so it's like, there's these like kind of escalating degrees of difficulty. And I I hear all the time from older moms, like, oh, I just wish I could be wiping mouths and, you know, changing diapers. That would be so much easier than what I'm dealing with, with, you know, attitude and friends and driving and freedom and autonomy. Like that's so much harder, you know, to be in that season. And I know they're different kinds of hard, but I do hear that from older moms. And then you've got young moms being like, I would love for that to be my problem. I'm so exhausted, you know? And it's like, it is all hard, but like Abby Halberstadt says, hard is not the same thing as bad. Yeah. Um, And I love that line just because I think we get afraid of hard because we want easy. And whether you fall to the lie of um, saying that, you know, it can just all be easy if you do all the interventions and there's, that's not a guarantee either. right? Right. 
or yes. the lie of you can have a pain-free birth, you know, a natural unmedicated and pain-free birth. Like those are both lies and deceptions that we, we can fall into either ditch. And if we start putting our hope in that, the outcome, that's where we get into trouble, you know, yeah. not staying in that place of just being dependent on God. And like you said, knowing we're going to be weak, but that his power will then be made perfect in us through our weakness. So exactly. that's encouraging. Yeah. And well, Brittany, thanks for your time today. It's been great chatting with you. Um, where can people follow you online and find out more about what you do? Yeah, definitely Instagram at the Biblical Birth School and my website, BrittanyMcArdle.com. I have a new, um, uh, my program is coming out relaunching in March. So if you're interested in becoming a childbirth educator or doula, that's coming up in March. And I also have resources for moms. So okay. yeah. awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much, Haley. It's been yeah. so fun. It's been great to have you. Thanks, Brittany.